I'm Stephen Zuber. And I'm Ineash Brodsky. Today our topic is polyamory. A quick interjection. When this episode was first recorded, I accidentally outed someone. This episode has been edited to remove their names and certain identifying details. Again, I'm really sorry to the person affected. This is a, a much requested topic from... Is it? I've had at least two people ask for more information about it, so... Oh. Okay, well, we did mention it in previous episodes with almost no explanation. That's true. So, let's start with an explanation. How about a definition? The Oxford English Dictionary from 2006 I defines it... Definitions. Me too. What's that? I hate dictionary definitions. Well, we're starting with the dictionary okay, definition sorry. because the truth is we probably all have different definitions of polyamory. Mm, okay. So why don't we just settle on one? The dictionary definition is polyamory, the fact of having simultaneous close romantic relationships with two or more other individuals viewed as an alternative to monogamy, especially in regard to matters of sexual fidelity. Also, the custom or practice of engaging in multiple romantic relationships with the knowledge and consent of all partners concerned. That's actually really good. I, I think that's a fair so. definition. Mm -hmm. I really liked the line as, quote, viewed as an alternative to monogamy. At the last Lost Wrong Meetup, I had a long conversation with somebody who insisted that if you drop, you know, three main factors from what people consider a romantic relationship, then that just applies to every relationship. So everyone's poly. And I was like, yeah, but then, like, really, what's the difference? You know, why would you even classify yourself? And it got into this whole long thing that we are basically just quibbling over are different definitions of how it should be looked at, mm -hmm. but by bringing in the fact, just looking at it, think of what you think of when you think of monogamy, but plus or, mo or you know plus one or more, and that's that's really I think what we're talking about. Yeah, Is that fair? I think that's generally what we're talking about. Of course, relationships are on a m multiple axis spectrum, and mm -hmm. there are people who are aromantic and asexual, and um, I think that we'll get into that a little bit more. Um, a little later in this episode. But yeah, just for right now, um, roman multiple romantic relationships concurrently with the consent of everyone involved. Yeah. With the informed consent of everyone involved. And that's... I think that's completely justifiable. A really definition. important part of it. Okay. Yeah, this is, this, to, to be distinguished from a, on the surface, monogamous relationship where one party, or I guess both, are having uh, other romantic entanglements unbeknownst to their primary part. Right. So that that's not what people talk about when they use the word polyamory. No, or that's it shouldn't cheating. be. Yeah. So the reason that we're talking about this particular topic, um, actually, let me back up for a moment. You should probably know where we're coming from and mm -hmm. what our personal biases are and what kind of relationships we are involved in. Um, I'll start. I'm in a non-hierarchical polyamorous set up. You're going to have to define non-hierarchical non if we'll you're going to introduce there. it now. And okay. you're going to have to say it three times fast. <laughs> non-hierarchical, non-hierarchical, non-hierarchical. Ooh, damn. Almost. It almost worked out. I think I slipped a little bit on the last one. But, um, so I'm in polyamorous relationships with four other people currently. So where does the non-hierarchy come in? Um, we will talk, I think, a little bit about... So hierarchical is... Um, the idea that there is a primary partner and almost necessarily secondary partners and sometimes even tertiary partners and so on and so forth. Yeah, quadrinary. <laughs> <laughs> um, that sounds sad. It, it really, uh, these are pretty flexible definitions, but part of it's the idea of having a primary 
person who you are in a relationship with and other relationships are satellite to that one. So... And you are not to that. I... No. Okay. No, that's... Uh, that's what the non-hierarchical means. Non-hierarchical, so I'm not into that biz currently. And yeah, how about you, Stephen? How would you describe your relationship structure? I thought it'd be more fun to do the two polys first. Um, no. So the, <laughs> my, my relationship is I'm in a monogamous relationship with a an individual, um, but where this is going to be less of like the, the two polys versus the, the token monogamist and more like, uh, well, it'll come out more later, I think, but really we're, we're in a position where we're satisfied with what we offer each other and where we're at with our romantic fulfillments and neither of us are axiomatically opposed to the possibility of, of a of bradging that out later in any way um de facto monogamous then yeah pretty much i take a little bit of issue with there there's a little bit of an implication there that i don't think you meant to make i think i know what you're thinking that um by being polyamorous it means that someone is in any way not satisfied so this this will be something one really, of their relationships this will be something really fun to dive into more i think because i would i would I wouldn't stand behind that implication, but I would be interested in exploring it. So let's okay. save that until after we hear Inyasha's introduction. Right. I'll, I, I, I want to riff off your thing real quick, because I the de facto monogamous relationships are the only monogamous relationships I can respect. Like, when people are forced into monogamy, I, I kind of consider that... this compulsory, compulsory monogamy, I consider bullshit. But the de facto monogamy, there's quite a few people, I think... God, I don't remember. Maybe it was Bertrand Russell... But someone who was monogamous his entire life, but said, yeah, you know, my wife and me are okay with that. We just have never had any desire for that. And uh, to me, that's, you know, that's fine. There are people out there whose preferred relationship style is legitimately monogamy. And for them, you know, all, pow all power to them. It takes all kinds of different types. I think that's a good thing to bring up, because I think that there's probably some discussion out there in some of the fringe poly forums where... They insist that monogamy is completely unnatural, and no, no human is, is built that way. And everyone, everyone, well, I say this having skimmed uh, a little bit this afternoon, mainly the angry rant rantings of Dan Savage, who I don't think would endorse that position entirely. Oh, but he, he really, he really, he really came all. off. Uh, well, I heard him describe on one thing where he was describing monogamish. Yes, which actually, was, I was going to talk about that. Which is his, which is his word. Correct me if I'm wrong. For a mostly monogamous couple who occasionally do stuff with other yeah. people. Yeah, um, so but, that probably fits into the consensual non-monogamy umbrella. Yeah, for sure, but the reason I brought him up was because in the, I think it was on Joe Rogan podcast that I was listening to him talk about it on, he equated being in a monogamous relationship your whole life to standing on your one leg the, your, for your entire life. Is it physically impossible? No. But is it really comfortable? No. Well, well I would also like to say that he no. was probably talking about people in general as opposed to everyone because I mean there are I've been reading Dan Savage since I was in college in 99 when his column was still titled um god I don't I think it was called Savage Love Still but it always uh, all the letters to him started with hey faggot nice <laughs> which which when I first read that I was like oh what the fuck is going on here oh my god and then I read it I was like oh this guy is gay and he's like totally okay with this and I guess that's okay he's he's embracing it you know but no I've I've been reading or listening to Dan Savage for so many years now and he is not at all someone who he very much embraces all the different types of sexuality out there okay and yeah he he uh, he believes in 
people who are naturally monogamous too. Okay, I, I don't think he was talking about everyone in that and regard. And other perspective, mm-hmm. I don't respect a lot of Dan Savage's positions, and I think they're terribly wrong and offensive. Oh wow! So I, I, I guess you were right about us we, disagreeing on a lot of things. We, uh-huh. we can link to his Wikipedia page, which I went to because I had heard of him before. Like I said, I'd heard him on that one interview. I think it was on the Joe Rogan podcast. And I was looking for something that we'll bring up later. I found an article that he'd written in response to another article that was written that quoted Dr. Helen Fisher, and he he used like all caps the fucking data and you know a lot of like it sounded very junior high-ish the way and but i get it he was mad maybe that was maybe that's part of his delivery and i didn't mm-hmm. know what to expect yeah. i expected something more calm ah uh, no, I, he's I, a showman I, and, I'm, and i'm comparing it to what i read like on scott alexander's blog ah. uh, i'm hoping where... that we can get away from dan savage yes and we back should. to i'm really interested in hearing how Anyash is going to describe his relationship structure. Okay, yeah, let's great. do it. Well, it's interesting that you brought up Dan Savage because I was going to mention that our relationship is what Katrina would refer to as a hierarchical poly relationship, which is a term I don't like because I do not like the term hierarchical. I, I just, it's ugly term. And um, Melissa doesn't like the term poly because she's like, I'm not poly. And and so uh, the phrase that we've often used is Dan Savage monogamish, because we're like monogamous. We're a couple, and we you know do the standard normal couple things. But our relationship is open. We can sleep with other people, and so we both think that term is kind of cool. She used to use the term swingers, and swingers also applies, but it's just so fucking seventies, you know. Like, I don't, eh, that's that's not a nice term either. So all of the things that you guys have been describing are again in the realm of ethical non-monogamy and people might quibble on what polyamory specifically means but i think an important thing to think about for polyamory is it involves multiple intimate romantic relationships yeah wait does it have to be intimate and romantic or can it just be i'm not saying no it really if it's just about if it's just sex then um, I'm going to put my foot down and I am planting my flag and I do not want people to take the word polyamory, which is a specific form of non-monogamy, away. Fair enough. Because then there's there's no term for it. So um, the, other, the other place that we're all coming from is that Inyash and Katrina know way more about this than I do, just because since I'm not in that community at all, other than apparently everyone I know is. So like, <laughs> uh, other than being distantly connected to it through that, um, I've had no reason to do any research into what terms I want to tag on to myself or what, uh, where the their trenches are drawn with with definitions and that sort of stuff. So uh, that was that was something I was unaware of that that was a contentious point for a lot of people. That's kind of interesting, but I get it. It makes sense because you want to distinguish saying this is this is different than us just yeah fucking strangers. This is going to be us uh, agreeing, I like ethical non-monogamy. I think that's the great umbrella term that mm-hmm. I think can be used And that does apply uh, to swinging also, because people yeah. are hopefully, you know, um, aware of what's going on and have agreed to it in good faith. Now, the reason that we're talking about this also is because, to just take it back to the rationality community, is a survey that we mentioned before it seems that there is a much higher percentage of people who self-identify as polyamorous in the less wrong community than in the community in the U.S., well, in the population at large. So to just bring it back to that, I did participate in the survey 
um, that we're quoting. And I think it was at a Scott Alexander generated survey. Uh, when was, which was, how long ago did you take the survey? It's the, I took it uh, maybe even a couple years ago. Then yes, that was one of the Scott Alexander ones. That was one of the Scott Alexander ones, and that's the one that you quoted on a previous post of ours. Yes. But um, here are the stats. People who prefer being monogamous, um, that was 51.8%. Prefer being polyamorous, 15.1%. Uncertain or no preference, 30.9%. And other, 1.5%. What are the other two? Op- what are the other options that the one point five might have meant? I mean, Again, you're, you're... Um, it didn't ask about ethical non-monogamy. It asked specifically about polyamory. Oh, so, so who, those, who was so swingers who are not monogamous, or maybe don't consider themselves monogamous, or they don't like the word polyamory for any reason, might be people who either choose uncertain, no preference, or other. Gotcha. So. Not not the most perfect questioning if you really want to dive into that one, but it was one of many, many different survey questions. And let's compare that to the U.S. population at large. Um, there are estimates that up to 5% of people in the USA are involved in some type of consensual non-monogamy. So they're saying that it's estimates as high as 5% could mean that it's like 3 Yeah, so- yeah, 3 to 5% actually um, is one that I saw in a bunch of different places. Of course, this is really hard to measure. As always, it's hard to get into what exactly people are, are talking about, but um, that number seems to be any for any kind of setup in which other partners, sexual or romantic or both, are, are, are part of the situation. So are we asking now what the link is between rationality and polyamory? Yeah, so I thought maybe we could start by talking about what can explain, or what theories can we come up with to explain the higher percentage of self-identified polyamorous people in the less wrong community. Well, personally, I'm of the... uh, Okay, there's obviously founder effects and all that, but um, more than anything, I am of the opinion that rationalists in general tend to be a bit of a contrarian counterculture people and want to explore things for themselves rather than taking the uh, the standard dogma yeah. of society. Yeah, actually, I've definitely heard that a bunch, and I think that you can apply it, potentially apply it to other communities too. For example, polyamory is higher in people of queer sexual orientation communities, and this is kind of a personal observation that um, other people have shared this personal observation. At least when I started in about 2008, know, really being polyamorous, um, the most other people who I met who were like that would fit into the stereotype of being really nerdy or geeky or otherwise kind of kind of non-mainstream and happy with it. it. I think it comes from a willingness to challenge what we've been taught and to re-examine things yourself. And when you look at at the way um, compulsory monogamy is is forced on people, it's really not surprising that a large amount of the people who are willing to ask those questions do come to the conclusion that this monogamy thing is kind of bullshitty, and I think I should consider my options. There's also, I think, the, the I guess, compounding factor that a lot of, I'm not sure what the age demographic breakdown is specifically, but I think, I would guess, that it's largely a young, younger generation's game. 
you don't get a lot of uh, I'm sure you get plenty but I, I would I would bet that less than half of the uh, self-identified rationalists on these on the surveys are like say over the age of 50 right? oh. I actually and don't so, know what the breakdown is for people who ID as poly um, I know that there's definitely some differences between the you know the old people the old poly people right. and us younger oh, I was 35 yeah. and younger right. now, the, the less people r- the, so. the rationalist community is definitely a youth community so right. they're mostly of the young kind but it seems just in my experience that normally the people who are more open in their sexuality do tend to be older I don't and, know I actually really don't feel like I can weigh in on this one I've been in different communities but I've also seen a recent what I feel like is an explosion in people embracing various kinds of non-monogamy yes and those people um, I feel like are running younger yeah they are nowadays and that's what I was getting at too is I think that it's part of the general trend that I'm seeing a lot of people online because I don't see that many people in real life as I do online of, <laughs> of people holding positions that their parents certainly didn't hold right well, so you get we have we have less religious people in the in the younger demographics and i think for the, for similar reasons you might get people challenging the assumption you know they look at their parents relationship and like man they they certainly weren't happy yeah. oh i'm hearing that a lot of people are not doing what they're doing what's that like well it's and, also the policing of sexuality is a thing that happens much more to younger people than to older people the older you get the less people tend to give a fuck about who you're fucking and the also the more people tend to get more in touch with what they want. Personally, I've I've found that a lot of young men have very unfulfilling sex lives, the ones that have sex lives, because as a young man, you're told you want the thin little blonde chick, and that's what's hot. And if you get that, then we are going to judge you highly, and that's a status symbol. And so every guy thinks they want the thin young hot blonde chick, and it takes a good ten years or so for you to realize. If if you're into something that is not a thin, young, hot girl, oh no, I like the rounder girls more. You know, I enjoy <laughs> having a bit of meat on my woman, and oh, wow. and that it takes yeah, it takes a while to learn that, and it takes a while to not care as much about what society says you should uh, you should like. Or you know, even another shoe. I think that uh, especially girls that I knew growing up. If he's not over six feet tall, I'm not interested. A lot of people would be even way more superficial, self-professed more superficial, not me just being like, they were superficial, but like they would want them to make a certain amount. All the stuff that like, like movies would yeah. list off, right? Well, especially okay, so if you're to... a guy, you lots of times chase women, not for the women, but for the respect of other guys. So to bring this back to polyamory, why are we concerned in the evolving attitude as people age over who they want to be dating by body type? Like, what does that have to do with poly? Oh, I don't think it has anything to do with poly. It's just society being fucked up. Okay. Oh, I, I think so... I think it, it tied in because we were talking about, about other ways that... Uh... I think we were talking about why it used to be that older people were more likely to be poly. And now it's been swinging more towards the young. But I was just saying it, it used to be more older because it would take people a while to get more comfortable with their sexuality and to throw off what society is trying to force on them. Or be married for a long time and maybe have a spouse die mm-hmm. or... Um, maybe they've been married for a long time or with a partner for a long time and they're no longer interested in having sex. Yeah. Or there's there's a bunch of different reasons. I do not want to make any claims about the age um, demographics of, of 
polyamorous people. But there has definitely been an explosion of, of the young recently. You said, oh, wow, when I was talking, and, like, I, I want to know why, because it sounds like you were strongly disagreeing with something. No, I was just, sec- I was just like, slut-shaming. No, I'm just kidding. I think, what? I, think, I, think yeah. I was going to use the word meat on my woman. Yeah, I believe. Oh, I did not like that phrasing. <laughs> oh, That's really? It. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't I mean like, it as an insulting way at all. No, I... Uh, we're not even... I don't want to get into it. Okay, I'm so, sorry. So, um... <laughs> I, think, I think I knew what you meant. I apologize I for my phrasing if that was problematic phrasing. I, I think different body types... Yeah. Maybe would have been the more kosher way to put it. Oh, okay. I was just thinking of the ownership part of oh, my oh, the my woman. The my woman. Oh, I meant the kind of woman I'm attracted to. Never mind. And not even me personally. Just no, okay. Sorry. At least, at least we know you're not an ownershiping type person. That's actually one of the reasons I hate monogamy because of uh, the ownership aspect of it. Oh. If you're cool with um, a little bit of backpedaling, I want to make a possible counterpoint to. Um, kind of fringe communities being more comfortable with exploring non-monogamy and make a note that racial minorities are really underrepresented um, as practitioners of polyamory. It turns out racial minorities are underrepresented in just about everything. And there there was a fun breakdown on an essay that we'll link to by Scott Alexander called... Black people are less likely. That's the one. I think he draws eight possible conclusions as to why this might be the case and probably parts of most of them are part of the answer for the general underlying thing but everything from like nascar enthusiasts to furries you get respondents in the single digits in like the black community which is why that why would that be the case so it's it seems to be an interesting phenomena that's that's minorities are always underrepresented in any fringe movement yeah and so that seems to be a larger racial uh, minorities specifically yes yeah for sure um and that seems to be a a larger phenomenon than just for poly although the the Slate Star Codex essay was written in response to uh, an article that was written saying that the poly community is just for white people or something. So he, yeah, that he, completely conflated it with like swingers parties, like as if minorities maybe don't have enough money to go to expensive swingers parties, and that's why they're not being involved in poly, which was just just so faulty. It was terrible to read that article. <laughs> But that said, I, I, it is my impression as a non-poly person that, that, that there's not a you must be this white to join the club criteria, right? <laughs> there is no. not. Okay, I didn't think so. That, now that that's out there. Not, not that I'm We don't have of. a little color chart that we hold up to everyone. <laughs> oh, you should not have gone to Bermuda. Look, you just... Sorry. <laughs> oh, man. I'm happy to have loved people of minority races and still do, so... I, I don't think that it's a complete exclusion, but for some reason, um, people of minority races are definitely underrepresented. Another another thing that I wanted to mention as a possibility for why less wrong community might have more poly members than expected is something that you mentioned, which was obviously the founder effect, which is a concept in population genetics, kind of explaining why uh, a certain population might have a much more narrow you know, narrow gene pool. And it's because a few people show up, they happen randomly to have those characteristics. And so those characteristics are um, expressed at a greater rate than they would be otherwise if they were representative of the larger population. So in other words, maybe there are more poly people because more poly people randomly happened into being early, early adopters of rationality movements and less wrong and they brought other poly people with them it could be a non-random effect right 
It could be that the that the founders were poly because that was the rational conclusion that they came to when they started this whole movement. That's different thing. than the founders' effect, though. So let's get to that in a moment. Okay, so I, well, I guess I wanted to to sort of equate just as long as we're, we're well, I, I don't want to derail, but I want to see if this brings the point home. So I was thinking that there's also a higher rate in the rationalist community of like cryonics members mm -hmm. as opposed to the general population. Is that explainable by any of the same factors that might say why there's more poly people in the rationalist community? I think there might be a combination of factors, but. I mean, so the one that you're mentioning is maybe it actually is a reasonable position to take and people in the poly community or in the rationality community are willing to question their presuppositions, think about why they do what they do and update. So maybe it actually makes sense for more people to be polyamorous than there are in the base population. Right. And if more of the base population was willing to question their assumptions, then more of the base population would be poly as well. Yeah. And something else, um, another thought is actually people who are well-respected and high up, including Eliezer and Scott, are both polyamorous themselves and have written about it. So maybe they have an undue influence on people who read their stuff and think that they got a lot of good things to say and um, people kind of follow suit. Actually, personally, my husband of eight years and we started out in a polyamorous relationship, although it's certainly gone through a lot of changes since we started out. I think that part of the reason he was willing to do that with me was because he'd been exposed to the idea through overcoming bias and less wrong. And he was kind of more comfortable with that idea and didn't think it was so totally crazy that I would I would want to do something like that. So it seems to come from a lot of places. Yeah. The yeah. The, the inclination towards polyamory. I wanted to say really quick, um, as a follow up to our Chronics episode, very short side note. After our discussion with it, I felt more prepared to talk with people about it in my my personal life, and I had a conversation about it with my grandmother and my mom. Mm -hmm. My mom agreed to sign up for Chronics. Yeah. Wow. So, so right. the, the, these these uh, these conversations can can change people and. You know, one thing that really slowed me down when I was procrastinating was that I didn't know anyone else mm. and that, you know, it would be just me and a bunch of strangers if it worked out right. Mm. Anyway, so I, I thought it was extremely gratifying to get a, 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 a mind changed and possibly a life saved. Yeah. Uh, so that, that's, that's pretty huge. And so... I just wanted to put that out there so people know that you can change people's minds with good arguments sometimes. <laughs> Congrats, dude. Yeah, that's great. Oh. And that totally applies to this topic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It does. Um, it applies to every topic. Yeah, and uh, regarding... Scott actually did a great post. Scott Alexander did a great post on Slate Star Codex called Polyamory is Boring, um, which we will link to in the show notes. And you can check that out. It is about how normal and very much like being monogamous polyamory actually is. Yeah. Yeah, from the outside, this is actually... I think I mentioned this before on the air where I had a friend call me out of the blue once and he had just encountered his first poly person. And to be fair, you know, for him, it's not the kind of thing... We mentioned that I'm from Fort Collins and that you said the, the community is lively and active there, but it wasn't the kind of thing that I was ever exposed to there, really, and that I, mean, I guess he hadn't been either until he met somebody. And uh, he he had the same sort of like, this is... Have you heard of this? This is so weird. And um, so the, the Scott Alexander thing was, uh, you know, from the, from the inside, it stopped being weird really quickly. Mm -hmm. Uh, and he, he opens it up with a fun analogy about, oh, forget it. You guys read the essay. It's fun. It's not that long. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, 
So it feels normal. It feels really natural. And um, it feels a lot like any other kind of relationship and how you would run any other kind of romantic relationship. So I've been, I'm going to talk briefly about why I I like um, polyamory and dislike monogamy. I am one of those people, I don't know how how much of, you know, how many there are of us in the world, but uh, who has just been poly by nature since as soon as I discovered girls, I guess. I never quite understood what this whole weird jealousy thing is about people having to have just one other person, and I, I didn't, I couldn't figure out why people weren't just, you know, loving with everyone that they, that they were in love with. Um, so you're saying you didn't, you, you didn't, or you still don't quite understand where that jealousy comes from? I, I, both. I, I mean, I, I, I think it would take a failure of imagination to, to yeah, literally have no idea where people right, from. Right, but... Do you experience thing. jealousy, Anish? Not sexual jealousy. No. I do. And okay. we can talk more about that later. Okay. That sounds fun. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, society beat me into shape. And I was like, oh, yes, now, now one true love, etc. And I was in a monogamous, monogamous marriage for six years. And the, the whole marriage had problems. So we, we can't blame anything on just one thing. Mm-mm. But, anyways, eventually I got out of that. And I was like, oh, thank God, I can join my people again. Let's put this Let's put this on the table. I think, if I remember correctly from your timeline history, that that was back when you were a fundamentalist, right? A religious no. fundamentalist? No, oh. no, no, no. I, I dropped religion when I was like 14, 13 or 14. So when were you debating evolution and stuff on the forums? Was that pre-13 and 14 too? That was, yeah, between the ages of 12 and 13. Oh. Yeah. All right. Never mind. I, I was precocious. <laughs> and, and you know, it wasn't really forums because the internet didn't exist yet. In its current form, it was just local BBSs you could dial into. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, but the, the thing that I dislike about monogamy, and we touched on it before is the possession aspect. The treating the other person as if they are your property. And this is, it's more the case that men do it to women, but women also do it to men. Uh, We're both shaking our heads, bro. You you think it's equal? I'm shaking my head. Okay. Um, So I I also don't think that it's something that has to be a part of a monogamous relationship. No, 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 no. Like, like, you know, Stephen's relationship, the de facto monogamy, I'm, I'm fine with, but... The fact that lots of monogamy, the way it's practiced, certainly the compulsory monogamy of society today, is very much I own my partner's genitals. But I, well, and I own their affection, and no one else can have it. And I think that is complete bullshit. When I was first dating, and I was seventeen, I was very possessive, and I had this feeling like I was entitled to, you know, this because I because we were in love, and I was entitled to. Huh you know, this amount of time because we were in love and this amount of consideration because we were in love and this this type of behavior because we were in love. And that is, I think, more of a lack of mature understanding of what it means to enter into a relationship with someone than it is something that is specific to any kind of relationship structure. I think so too. And I think that there is probably an even distribution between sexes as to the, the propensity for like the ownership quality, right? Yeah. Were you looking at her as she walked by? Mm, you know, that's so, true. says the, yeah. the, the TV girl. And You're uh, like, why, yes, she has female characteristics. Those are the same things that attracted me to you. And it wasn't <laughs> a sexual, it wasn't even a sexual thing. It was a, it was just like, yeah, where can... are you going? We should be together at all times. And, you know, there wasn't, it wasn't a, a jealousy. You don't need. You need to not spend time with other people or look at other people. It was a. Uh, these are things that I absolutely must have in a relationship, 
And I feel like as I've gotten older and poly actually really helps this, I've expanded what a relationship looks like to me, what it can look like. And it's become less of a matter of having expectations that people need to fulfill in order to to have my love or get to relationship status or or even the need to have such a status. But it's more of a dance where you're having all sorts of different interactions with people yeah. and there's a lot more freedom and it and it much more depends on what you both want to be doing. Yeah. And yeah, the choice I don't, to, when to be together. And I don't want anyone to be tied to me because then that's not a relationship, in my opinion. That's that's someone that I have enslaved and captured somehow. I want someone to want to be with me. And if they don't want to be with me, then that's fine. You know, go on and be with someone else. But this this forcing people to be with you is, I've, I've always considered it just gross. And that that is what poly frees you from like you are allowed to be with other people and if you want to stay with the person you stay with them i would say that's, that's what that's poly the... frees you from and more what like just being mature and thoughtful frees right. you from right? poly doesn't necessarily free you from that okay. there are a lot of relationship expectations that i held long into being in a polyamorous relationship like if I don't get to see you two times a week at least, I'm going to cry because this isn't fulfilling my expectations. Oh, well, I mean, if um, it's not fulfilling what you need in a relationship, then you probably need to drop the relationship. Needs and, move and expectations on. are different, right? Yeah. So, or or desires and expectations are different, and and the line between them can be a little fuzzy. Yeah. But I feel very happy that my desires are becoming more free. And I think that Polly kind of lets you do that because you can have different kinds of relationships and still fulfill some of your some of your needs with different people. So And that's what I think is nice about de facto monogamy. It's that you aren't tied to each other, but you just don't want to have anyone else in your relationship and that's fine too. That's sort of so I'm trying to think of and you know, not to put my relationship on a pedestal, but I'm contrasting my relationship <laughs> with like archetypal relationships I have that you're describing, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, it's like, it doesn't bother my, my partner if I go out with a girl all night mm-hmm. or if a girl stays, to, stays, at our, stays at our place and we hang out till four in the morning. It doesn't bother me if she's out with a guy until the wee hours in the morning. Like that, but it's very easy for me to, under, to imagine relationships where like, I can't believe you're out with this guy until past midnight. What are you doing? You know, like that whole weird possessiveness thing. That's a trust thing. issue too. It yeah. is. But I think, so that might be a lot of what that, that possessiveness comes from, right? Is the mm-hmm. whole trust issue. Well, no, I think I think the trust is a is a really good part of that because when you have enforced monogamy, to me, you, I don't feel like you can ever really trust your other partner to be staying with you because they want to be with you. And to me, I don't want anyone to be with me if they don't want to be. But once your partner has gone out and slept with someone else and they come back to you anyway, they're like, yeah, I mean, that was fun. I enjoyed that person, but... I live with you, you are the person that I come back to, then you no longer have just, like, faith that they love you. You now have knowledge that they love you, you know? He's talking from a hierarchical perspective. Oh, fine. No, I, I was going to bring that up, but then I noticed yeah. that that is not how you would describe it. But I would say that I, I think there was even a link to the essay on your blog that I, I read something about that that you wrote maybe last year. Oh, okay. It was a short post somewhere that I think you might have shared to Facebook or something. Okay, okay. Um, but you wrote something on that, if we can dig it up. Yeah, yeah, no. You might have a better memory than I do of which one it was. I, I didn't remember that I posted that. But yeah, it's it's very much to me 
once once your once your partner is free to leave but doesn't leave, then I feel much better about being in the relationship. I no longer feel like I am imposing my will on someone. If they're not there by unbreakable vow, but they're by choice. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And you know, I, I know that they're free to pursue sex somewhere else if they want to. And, you know, they will if they want to, but they're coming back to me. For listeners, unbreakable vow isn't uh, a rationalist term. It's from Harry Potter. (laughs) (laughs) So the part that I was saying was coming from a hierarchical um, perspective is the, they live with me, they come back to me, Mm -hmm. Um, they might go out and do other stuff with these second, like, satellite lovers, whatever, they come back to me, and that's um, that would be the difference. Okay, see the way that you like you. No one can see this, but you made this hand motion like floofy. Oh, those satellite people don't matter. But that's not the case at all, because everyone that we've ever had sex with is someone who's been a friend of ours, either a couple friend or someone that we know personally. I mean, we don't just have random sex with strangers. No, so of these not. Yeah, so these are people that are important to us. When I was a swinger, I was in a relationship with. Um, the same couple for the better part of a year. Nice. Right? Yeah. And they were our friends, and we would go out to movies and dinner and go to um, reptiles. We were all very interested in animals and go see reptiles and cool stuff like that. And it was not a strictly sexual relationship, mm-hmm. but that is what we did. And I was, but there were also rules. They were okay. the couple. Okay. I was the third person. Mm. Um, there was no, I couldn't just go hang out with one of them. It always had to be them together. Oh, that sucks. It, there were, there were a lot of different, there were a lot of different things. That sounds like they didn't have trust then. Oh, they definitely didn't have trust. (laughs) So out of curiosity. (laughs) curiosity I take back that high five. That sounds like a terrible relationship. Oh, well, that's why I ended up, um, leaving that situation is because it was, their relationship was rocky enough and difficult enough for me to tiptoe around that um, it became very uncomfortable and while I still claim them as friends it you know and this was uh, this was like seven eight years ago um, I was no longer interested in having that kind of relationship with them did we talk about the word primary yet, or did we just use significant other? Or yeah, I think we did. I've used yes. Primary, mm-hmm. yeah. If we expanded on what that meant, I can't remember. It but it was it was means the... exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, it's the couple. So I'm not. I I don't have a situation where I'm involved in the couple, and then there are other people who I'm also in relationships with. I am in multiple couples. I wanted to to say really quick that that relationship that you described from years ago sounded a lot like you were in a relationship with an unstable person who happens to be two people. Right? <laughs> does, that, does that sort of uh, encapsulate it? They were, yeah, it was unstable. But um, uh, w- would, you, would you count that as a poly relationship for them? No, uh, it was definitely not a poly situation. It was a, I mean, you could call it a friends with benefits situation or a swinging, swinging quote unquote situation or, or something like that for them. But even though there was like friendship and hanging out, it still wasn't poly. I'm just yeah. curious to see where some people. No, there I is. Don't, I don't know exactly some where. Blur. There yeah. is some blur. Okay. That is that is fair. Um, it. I would never call that poly because there was no opportunity for a really close romantic relationship for me. It was they were the romantic couple. I was the friend that they could have sex with. 
so yeah, I guess I've outed myself as having experimented with swinging for a little over a year, a while back. And, um, the reason that I chose polyamory is because it turned out that that was a really unsatisfying, um, way to spend my time. And that what I really wanted was really close emotional connections with people. And I wanted to be able to form those really organically. So the interesting thing that a lot of people would say, I think I really want to form a close intimate relationship with somebody and I want to form that relationship organically, but you used plural. And I think that just different zone to start from is where Mm -hmm. that difference draws, right? So this is why I think people don't love, I guess in, in, in the rationalist community, there isn't a huge desire to work from a definition and then talk about stuff from there because definitions suck, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard to define anything satisfactory in a satisfactory way. Yeah, I, I know that I know that starting from a definition is difficult and that we've kind of expanded on and modified that definition um, as, we, as, we, as we have continued to talk. But um, I think it is helpful to have something to start with. And that particular thing that we started with, I actually pulled off of the website more than two which is, um, it's run by Franklin Vo, and um, there's a book of the same name by Franklin Vo and Eve Reichert um, called More Than Two that I absolutely recommend, especially, especially if you're somebody who agrees with my particular <laughs> form of poly, which I arrived at through a lot of mistakes and pain and you know trial and error and then this book came out and i was like why why wasn't it there before exactly why could i read this five years ago (laughs) wow other people came to the same conclusions i came to this is fantastic and so helpful and actually um reading their book is what caused me to finally give up rules not because it's bad to have boundaries to talk about what you want in a relationship and what's important to you and have other people respect that, but because there's a bunch of unintended consequences that come along with rulemaking. And one of those is that people hold the rules as more important than even what they care about the rule actually being about. And I have made this mistake where I'm like, you broke a rule. That was, that was our agreement. And you know, I have zero tolerance for rule breaking around here. I can't even trust you anymore. Whereas, you know, having an evolving conversation about it is a whole different situation. And then the other thing is that when you make rules as a couple, those are things that anybody else who's dating your partner or dating you, they didn't have a say in that. They are taking those orders from on high. And while they might agree or while many people do agree to enter into a situation where rules are set down from on high about their relationship with someone by a third party and that other person, things change. And when love is concerned, things are often unpredictable. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the ways that I guess I found out that it's really important for me to have the potential to be in a changing yeah. morphing relationship because because if you're with that couple that you're just friends with and then you fall in love and they're not okay with that that hurts it's heartbreaking yeah and i've had my heart broken a lot yeah um 
And when it is a third party who is not in the relationship Mm -hmm. that you are in, who is making the calls for your relationship, that fucking sucks. It does. I think unless you're agreeing to it informed in advance, right? But like even then it might still suck. Right. So I guess I'm I'm trying to think of some rules that like are obviously stupid. Like, I mean, maybe not obviously stupid, but like... Well, there are things like you can engage in this kind of sexual activity, but you can't kiss. Well, that's what I was going to say. Is that really a rule some people have? Oh God, that's such a swinger rule right there. That you can't kiss? Yeah. I've never heard that. And I've hung around a lot of swingers. the Julia Roberts rule. Yeah, that's the Julia Roberts... Yeah, I, I mean... That's the same thing as Blumpies. They don't actually exist. Oh, I've never heard of Blumpies. it actually exists. Blumpies I don't, know don't about exist. Blumpies. Don't worry about it. I don't know about Blumpies, but the Julia Roberts rule There's does exist. There's no way. That's always one of the first things you do you with right. someone So you first like. of all, that, that was going to be the fake rule that I was going to invent as, a, as an example of a bad rule. I had a couple but, solicit me, uh-huh. and they had a ton of rules. Oh, no. And one of them was, you do not kiss my male partner on the lips. Because you know what? This is about me and da 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 da. And I'm like, well, I don't want to be in have fun finding somebody who's interested in getting into a relationship with y'all because. At at that point, (laughs) they just need to hire a professional. This this is an example. Yeah, they do not want a person to have sex with. They want a professional to to help them for an evening. This this is an example of. this demonstrates the fact that you can meet straw straw people in real life. Straw, right. straw men. So, all right. So hold on. I wanted yeah. to just throw okay. this past you guys since you guys are the experts here. Uh, it seems to be so like uh, I think we can all agree that a stupid rule is saying no kissing on the mouth because that just seemed to have the kind of even for me from the outside looking in. As I'm hoping some of our audience isn't already in this and they can sympathize with my ignorance well, a little bit. Can I tell you why people do that? Trust issues and it's, stupid boundaries. It's trust issues, but also there is a. As people are, are opening up and as people are letting go of possession, there is a, a, a pretty serious desire to feel special. And people will come up with um, artificial ways that they can feel special. Like, he only does that sex act with me. Feel special because your partner loves you. Uh, I, I think so. so but so but that... things like... No, he only watches Game of Thrones with me. Or, no, this is our special thing. We go to the theater. Or, you know, it can be or all sorts of things. This, this, might, this might be a straw, a straw man example or not. You guys let me know. Mm-hmm. What if the rule was you only say I love you to me? You can have really close friends that you fuck and hang out with and hold hands and snuggle and watch the movies with. But I'm the person that you you say you love you to. But then that that draws the problem of like, what if you fall in love with them? Then you have to be dishonest. Yeah, unfortunately, that's an incredibly common rule that people in non-monogamous relationships make. You may only love me. I must be the most important person in your life. Period. I don't believe we have that rule, but I have my own issues with the L word that are unrelated. We'll... We can get into that some other day, maybe. People, Unless it's, if it's not that use, long, it ties into polyamory. Well, people use love in a lot of different ways. Yeah. And um, when you're communicating it, it often helps to say, I love you. And by that, I mean, you've been an amazing friend to me, Stephen. And I'm so yes. happy that you're in my life. Sure. The, the I f- love the time that we spend together. So the reason I fear the L word is because of the, the whole way I was raised, again, to, you know, with the monogamy. To me, when you say I love you to someone, that means, and I want you to be mine and be with me forever, and I will take care of you forever, and here's a ring, and I can well, feel like, feelings... Well, I love you to your brother or your mom, right? Well, I mean, you mm-hmm. can say it to family, and it doesn't count. But if you say to someone of the opposite sex, especially if you're having sex with them, and then all of a sudden, all of that baggage is on you, and I, I, 
I know not everyone is like that, but I still, I fear saying that to someone because they're going to think, oh my god, he loves me, we're a couple, we're together forever. And I'm like, wait, no, what? I just, I have strong feelings of love towards you. So this, I do not want you to pack your stuff and move in with me today. This is, and this brings up as far as we're talking about the complication of Which that particular rule. The word. I've that's, totally that's a good point. asked different people to but, move in with me. Um, so far, it hasn't. Hasn't worked out? No, it hasn't happened. Oh, it hasn't happened. I, I except, wanted... for, except for Tim, who I did end up marrying. Oh, so I wanted to bring that up as an additional rule that kind of made sense, but it's not necessarily like a romantic relationship thing. But first I wanted to say as far as the I love you thing, I exchanged an I love you with a friend of mine that we've been friends for, for many years, yeah. and he's gay and I'm not, mm. but we both knew what it meant. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so it was more of the, you know, the platonic the you, kind man. of thing, right? It's a communication. Yeah, so, um, it's a communication thing, that's but, all. But so like a rule that kind of makes sense, is, so say you're in a relationship where you're, where you're splitting the bills uh, for your... Uh, say your your home, right? Mm-hmm. And like an, Im- an implicit rule might be that you you live there and you pay the bills. But say you fall in love with somebody and you move in with them, but like that it needs to be established somewhere in advance that you can't just up and leave those financial obligations, because well, then then you're leaving. Say your your hypothetical partner. We can use Tim in this example. Do you guys split your bills? We we do somewhat. So like, but let's we try. Let's say the let's say the mortgage is fifty fifty, right? And then like you definitely like, pay half and half rent. And then then say like, well, I want, I'm gonna go live with this guy. Well, and you know you can try and find a roommate. Good luck. But like that seems to like be a, a rule that seems distinct from. Well, generally in a healthy relationship, one person isn't just gonna up and leave. Even if you have a roommate, they just don't up and leave. If if yeah. you're in a friendship, they just don't up and leave you in a lurch. Um, I Tim and I both spend um, a significant amount of time away from home. But we share with other partners, um, sleeping over or, you know, doing stuff for multiple days, going on trips, whatever. But we also share responsibilities for our pets, who we love, and paying the bills, and basic stuff like that. So my position, I think, would have been more coherent had I laid out my three uh, hypothetical rules in in order, which was the obviously stupid one of no kissing on the mouth. With your with your superfluous partners, Super and the uh, <laughs> the well, so that that, that, that that's that's what I, oh, that, that, that's what I, that's what I picture with someone who would make that kind of stupid rule, right? That's, oh, that's, that's how they okay. that's how they would band, right. that's how they would model their satellite partners. Gotcha. Right? Um, and then the second rule that seemed less stupid but still probably common was no, I love you to other people. And then the third rule, which I which I was trying to think of one that was like really made a lot of sense was mm. was no leaving. You know, I, I want to jump in with and, a rule that makes a lot of sense, and this isn't the specific rule I have in mind, but because Katrina was very much against the rules and the third party imposing things on you, and yes, I agree with you, that sucks. Sometimes things suck. But on the other hand, if you're in a relationship with someone else, or even two or three other people, you don't want to hurt them. No, you And don't. sometimes things will hurt other people, and if you were to do the thing that hurts them anyway, that is... That is just mean. It's inconsiderate, and it makes it makes you have to reevaluate the relationship if you're willing to do things that hurt them, even though they hurt them. I, and sometimes... I want to be very clear. Mm. I'm specifically talking about rulemaking. I'm not talking about. So, for example, yeah, but that can look like a rule. Like if if it can, a, if but a couple has some important distinction. If a couple has you mentioned Game of Thrones. Let's say it's they're on what season six now. A couple has watched Game of Thrones for five years. They've bonded over it. It's like a family ritual nowadays. If that person were to go and like on a Sunday evening, let's say they always you know watch it together on Tuesday because they're busy on Sundays and Mondays. On a Sunday evening, that person were to go to one of their lovers' ha- uh, friends' houses and watch Game of Thrones with them. 
and the next day the 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 other person found out they could be really hurt and to the third party that looks like a stupid rule that's like oh he can't watch game of thrones with me what kind of stupid rule is that but to them that's something that hurt them so things that sometimes look like rules aren't rules they're consideration for your partner yeah so with the us having special things what i would strongly encourage for anybody who's in a relationship is to think about simply doing being together being you know making that relationship brew i don't know how to describe it with with this other person who is a unique human being and you have you have something special with them is way more important than getting hurt about who they watch a television show with I, I mean, yes, but emotions are funny that way. Emotions are funny, and if somebody, the... if somebody is, if that's something that somebody is going to be iffy about, they should talk about it. Mm-hmm. They should talk about their feelings and address why. Like, try to think about, and and people should be considerate. I'm not saying people should just go off watching Game of Thrones willy nilly, but um, people should be considerate of their partner's feelings, of course. But I would also encourage them to figure out what it is about that that they're really feeling pain over and trying to address it at its base. It could just be that you did something with someone else. That is always our thing. I can chime in from a mono perspective here Mm -hmm. uh, that I can't remember if this was Game of Thrones. It may well have been. I don't think it was because we're never that invested in that show. But um, <laughs> did you watch it with someone else? Well, so here, here's the thing: is first of all, I do see where you're coming from, and that either you have to set up that as an explicit thing, which then sounds like a straight up rule, mm-hmm. and then explaining that to the third party might sound stupid. It um, or even sounds it's even very painful to the other person. Yeah. Um, like oh, but you know, you also have a certain amount of understanding, expecting that like okay, you know. Even if you just have multiple friends and you have one friend you watch Game of Thrones with all the time, and then you maybe like go off and watch it with somebody else because it happens to be your friend might feel a little miffed. Yeah. And it's not a it's not a relationship, a romantic relationship thing. It's a well, I was expecting to watch it with you because that's our thing that we do together. We make brownies and we watch Game of Thrones, and um, I'm just a little bit a little bit hurt. I can but, think um, of, a, of a good platonic example that fits this fits the bill perfectly here. Well, and this, this will help illustrate, I think, kind of where <laughs> like, th- those expectations come from and how it doesn't necessarily come from like possessiveness mm-hmm. or like rulemaking. But my brother and I used to watch The Walking Dead together when yeah. I was still living in Fort Collins. We watched it, I think the night it came out at, on TV together. Mm-hmm. And that was our thing. And I can't remember if this ever happened, but it probably did. But hypothetically... I missed that Sunday and we were going to watch it that Monday. Well, he watches it anyway by himself. And then it's like, dude, fuck you. We're going to watch this together. So like, there's still that bit of thing. And so I feel like the, the one takeaway here might be that, uh, hurt feelings are going to happen in any relationship, whether it's a poly relationship, a platonic friend relationship or a monogamous relationship. Mm -hmm. Right. And so part of it will just be, uh, having healthy ways to deal with it and how you want to move forward with it. Talk with each other. Like, for example, um, when Tim starts a video game, and I'm watching him when he starts. We will actually talk about, is this a video game that I want to be there for every time he plays it? Or, and watch watch through the whole progression, and yes, I do that. Yeah. Um, or is it a game that I'm totally comfortable with, popping in every once in a while, and he's played it by himself, or he's played it with another friend or another partner while I've been gone. And if it's something that I want to be there for, then he respects that. Or, you know, he'll be like, I don't think I can handle it 
if I can only, if I can only play this around you because I am so into this game and... But you can see how, like, a young Katrina would, you know, that's dating him and wants to play that game might be like, what's with this stupid rule that you can't play this game with me? Well, I was an idiot. Okay. <laughs> well, so like, let's use that real example, though. Say, like, you're watching him play Fallout 4, and you're out all week or something, and he's got a girlfriend over. Hey, you playing Fallout 4? I see the disc there. Let's pop it in and play. Oh, sorry, I'm, I, I play, play this with Katrina. Well, that's stupid. How come? Right? Uh, like, could, that could theoretically happen, right? Yeah, I don't know. When people, when other people w- watch shows or play games together, and it's, like, the thing that they do, um, I'm usually cool with it. The other thing that happens is we just watch it twice and that's totally cool and um is it really though i don't i don't enjoy watching things twice but i happen to be in romantic relationships with several people Mm. who are totally cool with watching things twice so fernando has seen game of thrones each episode multiple times partially because he also is dating somebody else who really enjoys game of thrones and i totally respect that and, you know, knowing that he has that outlook to watch Game of Thrones with someone else, maybe I can, if I have time, I can sneak in an episode on my own because it won't be putting him out. But yeah, it was our thing, you know, and then it is more of a group thing. And I feel like being a little open to change on special things is actually really important in any friendship the, the line in my head just i had this line just pop into my head this is this conversation's got a bit metaphorical um and it made me think of in, the, but the thing is it's not, it's not. Yeah. it's literally what it's. right but, but it also like applies to larger things right yes. and yeah. that, so it yeah. kind of made me think of um, like everything in polyamory it actually applies to every relationship and friendship that you've ever had and, and since since i'm a nerd and this is rational rationally adjacent it makes me think of in uh, Harry Potter and the Methods of Rationality when Hermione learns that Harry and Draco had been doing science together all year too. <laughs> yes. And she's like, were you doing science with him? And I that- totally, like, I felt for both of them. I know. Like, I felt for Hermione, like, oh my god, he was cheating on her with science. <laughs> but, but like, on Harry's point of view, he's like, I was just doing science with my other friend. Yeah, no. It was it was a brilliant chapter because you felt... Well, I, I anyway felt so much for both of them. Well, but then again, too, point. we can look at the symbolism. You know, look at look at where that got Hermione that position, right? I'm oh, kidding. dude, <laughs> have we gotten, too soon. No, have we gotten through? Um, have we gotten through all the rules that you had? Yeah, it was just I was trying to like I said I was just trying to think of three hypotheticals. Um, are you asking me about like real rules that I actually have, or rules no, no, that no. I made up on the spot? Rules that you made up on oh, the spot. No, those are the only three. Okay. I liked I liked the one that you thought of though. Though I think that was a better illustration of what I was trying to think of with the I love you thing only for one person, right? Where you have the one special thing that we do together. Mm-hmm. And whether it's something, you know, as ridiculously uh, not tying as saying you can only love me, or something that sounds more reasonable a bit, maybe to the couple, but not, maybe not necessarily to, the, to a third party, well, that I mean, says, I have to we watch I, I am we watch so Walking averse Dead. to the love word that I was in love with Melissa for a good four months before I allowed myself to say it to her. And when it did come out, it came out on accident. Mm-hmm. And I was like, fuck, I can't take that back. And I was like, yeah, okay, I love you. And yeah, I totally been there when I didn't really love the, love, love the person yet, Mm -hmm. you know, because before you love, love the person, you love them sometimes. Mm, Like right after sex. 
Well, I'm thinking. I'm thinking of a um, TV show called Better Off Ted, where he drops it on the first date. It was a very uh, funny show. Check it out. Well, okay. or you know, they say something awesome and really intelligent, and you're like, I, I love you, and mm. then you're like, Oh, can can we explain what that means to me right now? Yeah. And um, I think that that's an important follow up. And then you know, there's pressure to say it back, and there's all yeah. sorts of of other things going on there. But yeah, communication. That's an important thing to have. That's, that sounds like something that has to exist in a, in a successful poly relationship. In a well, successful I think it has, relationship. It, I say, but, it, but it's not something that exists in every mono relationship. No, so, it's like, not but something it exi- that exists in, exists in the What did you call either. it? What, it what is it that you said that exists in... What was the word that you used for the, like, non-optional monogamy? Compulsory Com- monogamy. Yeah. yeah. That, those, those couples, I'm imagining several right off the bat, they don't communicate. They're like bad friends, right? Yeah. So uh, Alternatively... What if there's a situation where there's compulsory polyamory? That would be just as bad as a compulsory monogamy situation. It would, yes. Yeah. But we don't. Oh, we don't yeah. have that society. I, but yes, it would be. I I can't like, there are just people that that wouldn't work for, right? And oh, so that's yeah. that's the whole point. Yeah. And I I don't know if they're if the poly. Oh, I'm sure they're again. I, I'm picturing the the fringe of every group. There's probably somebody out there saying that that's what everybody should be doing and you guys are anyone who's in a monogamous relationship is just drank the kool-aid and they're you can you know, always find someone to yeah. say the most extreme fringe stuff but i don't think that anyone takes that position seriously that's not my impression so did we want to get into because i i i personally consider polyamory so obviously um an okay thing to do yes that i i find that i need to try to steel man critiques of polyamory because i just cannot understand why anyone would have anything against polyamory ever, or or just the option of polyamory, right? I mean, de facto monogamy is fine, but do we want to go into the steel manning of polyamory, anti-polyamory arguments, or do we have other things first? I do really want to go into it. I'm just wondering if I should be my normal defensive self and explain kind of what polyamory is not. Sure. If you want to do double time too, when you're when we're like saying putting forward these critiques, you can do it as your normal like this is what I actually believe, and then. You can try and endorse it too. I think that that's that's a worthwhile endeavor for anybody to try and try and think of the best arguments for a position you don't like, right, or whatever. So that's but, yeah. Still actually, I bet a lot of this is going to come up during steel manning. So let's see what you got. Well, steel manning was hard for me because again, <laughs> it's so difficult for me to imagine why this wouldn't work. I'm going to start with what I don't think is a steel man, but a lot of critiques that I did find when I was looking for critiques weren't actually attacks on polyamory at all. They were always attacks on polygamy, where they conflated polyamory with polygamy. Yes. Actually, um, I was thinking about that, too. I may have mentioned to you that I unfriended somebody on Facebook because they were saying that if polyamory is widely acceptable, then only a few men will have all the females. Yes. And... Then there will be angry single men who can't get any females because of this imbalance, and they're going to go blow up things. And um, wow, that took a, that that went from stupid to really stupid pretty quickly. I don't, actually, I don't think that's stupid. I think that is one of the reasons polygamous um, societies are so evil. Because... I, meant, I meant jumping straight to blowing stuff up because you're frustrated for lack of sex partners, right? No, I mean, I mean that's fairly common. They're referring early... to... Um, well, they are the... referring to jihad and... Yes. Yeah. But a lot of early societies that were very violent, that was one of the ways they would encourage violence and get men to go off to war. The men who were very successful and had a lot of riches had a whole harem. The people at the bottom had nothing left, but they could go off to war and get riches or get killed. Either way, the male population is reduced. It's... 
polygamous societies are evil for particularly that reason, because they are made to exploit sexual frustration in order to create a violent, warlike society. I'd say that the problem is specifically because um, and because women are treated as property. (laughs) Yes, and because women are always used as the incentive. I've read a lot of blogs where they're like. How are you supposed to? How are you supposed to get the correct social incentives if there's not an equi- equitable distribution of pussy? That was literally the sentence, Whoa. which is burned in my head. An equitable distribution of pussy. And I'm like, dude, pussy is not a resource you dole out. <laughs> These are people, and that polygamy always treats women as as objects that are given to men as rewards for doing whatever society wants so, them to do. Can I weigh in really quick? Yes, please. And you do. mentioned that you mentioned jihadism, and I'm probably more vehemently against uh, Islam in general than both of you. Ooh, okay. Maybe, maybe. That's a different episode. You probably but, but, are. But, but that's but that well, Islam and jihadism. There, I mean, it, it's that's it's, a different episode. Don't, Keep going. don't conflate well, them. Well, I'm not conflating them, but uh, there's not another tradition that that inspires jihad in the same way that we call it jihad. Okay, that's fair. I that don't said, want to get right, into this that, conversation. That, that all aside, yeah. well, I, I was I was sort of flabbergasted because then you went on to say that polyarmy or poly polygamy mm-hmm. that's uh those words are too close to be they uh, are it's unfortunate to, yeah that they're that they're necessarily evil and it's about controlling women it's not impossible for me to imagine a society where that's just the, the that's the comfortable norm for people right that maybe it doesn't exist but like i don't necessarily i would i wouldn't even go so far as to say that that's necessarily an evil thing no the the point of polygamy is that the men do not share their women that the women there's a bunch of women to one men but it's not a it's not a society where anyone can have sex with anyone how they feel. The men have a harem that belongs to them. Yeah, and um, actually, that's a really important distinction that's often brought up in academic discussions of polyamory is that the difference between polyamory and polygamy is that in polyamory anybody can date multiple partners and people bring up things like one penis policy and you know different agreements that people have, but polyamory is definitely an equitable system in which you really can date multiple people like both men and women can gotcha and i guess so I, i'm imagining hypothetical groups of people that could possibly exist but probably don't so maybe that's that's what i'm getting hung up on and okay. we're, we're dealing with with people that are actually out there and existing right um, so the claim yeah so the claim that um that my former facebook friend made which you're echoing is this because we live in a paternalistic society that is naturally how things will fall into place i'm not echoing that the, well no, that's, no, you're, you're, you're suggesting that it's something that could exist somewhere now my friend was saying not only could this exist somewhere it does exist here if polyamory if people are given yeah, heard- more freedom to choose multiple mates if that's what they want to do then that is the um that is the equilibrium that it'll tend towards man is that not the case no that is <laughs> whenever you hear someone say that you're like wow you have never met an actual poly community in your life have you because they tend to be actually more much more women-centric than men-centric right yeah, and that was and the observation that's going to bring to counter that what your guy I'm assuming it was you said it was a guy right it, it happened to be a guy yeah. yeah um I guess I assumed it was a guy because that sounds like something an, an idiot Guy well, it well, could it be a woman. Actually, Not I guess idiot. it could no, if she wasn't in the community. Could be. Yeah. Anyone who doesn't be. know anything about call politics. This person that. who was in the Peace Corps and is a completely admirable human being put that forward and decided to stick to his guns. This is the hill he would die on. <laughs> this is the hill he would die on. And 
I just got annoyed to the point that because he wouldn't listen to me and I feel like I have some pull on that particular topic and like the facts and <laughs> yeah, uh, let's just throw it out there. <laughs> yeah so, so I got frustrated to the point that I was like I don't need to hear your shit and I should caveat but, I didn't mean that this person's an idiot I meant that this person had an idiotic position that, that's that's, that, 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 that's an important distinction is, to make. It is an important and, and to clarify, so for the people who are not um, familiar with the community, they tend to be very much uh, more women-centric because women can leave in a free society, and if they don't feel comfortable somewhere, they will. And for that reason, generally, people make a lot of effort to make sure the women feel comfortable there. Hmm. Can you expand on that? Uh, I I mean that there isn't generally creepers in poly communities, Man, and if is, there are, they yeah, get totally drummed are. out pretty quickly. Um, there are, but people are less afraid to, one, it's a small community. People tend to know each other. Yeah. Like, Eniash for a while was actually connected to me through polyamory. Yes. Uh, not currently, but, yeah. you know, distantly. We tend to kind of know each other, know of each other. Mm -hmm. And if somebody is rapey or abusive, then... That kind of goes through the grapevine. That that's a lot. Those are that's a, those are much stronger attributes than creeper. I guess maybe I'm not sure what creeper is. Creeper I have a bad association with because one person can call you creepy, and if all you're doing is for whatever reason staring at the wrong place for too long and you're just zoning out, mm -hmm. then all of a sudden you're branded as a creeper. Uh, I mean, I don't think that actually mm -hmm. happens. So I'm not sure. Yeah. I guess I guess what is creeper? I guess is that is that. So is that I the was, nice way I to put rapey slash assaulty? Rapey slash assaulty slash abusive. Yeah. Um, okay, that, like, that sounds I way stronger. Actually, um, I have received warnings from people about somebody I'm dating. Oh, really? Yeah. I was I was with a guy and... And did you tell them, no, he's actually a nice guy? I told him that maybe they misunderstood. And then later I was like, he's just too rapey. I can't okay. be with him anymore. Yeah. And I did talk to other people about it because it's not okay. No, that's a pretty intense uh, relationship issue um, to there, put it there super were multiple, Yeah, multiple, and it turned out that there were people who didn't, who I knew who actually had serious concerns about this person who, out of politeness and, you know, probably just not enough evidence had not talked to me about it until after we had broken up. At which point I was like, this is why I received these reports, and um, which was really upsetting, and I suspected. And But yeah, I when I had a particularly bad breakup, one of my worries was that I would have difficulty dating. Yeah. Well, and not even, not even that date me, but not even give me a chance at friendship or... And that's that what is, I was worried about with that relationship tarnishing in a small community, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, so, I mean, that is also like, one of the nice parts of having more than one partner, that you do have other people as a social safety net to fall back onto if something like that happens. And to vouch for you. And, well, and to vouch for you, too, yeah. But you're not alone when you have these people you're still in a relationship with that can give you that emotional support. I well, think I mean, you have a responsibility to, to have a lot of evidence and yeah. um, before you go to anyone. In fact... There's a metamor of mine who's dating somebody and people who... Hold on, who the I term knew... dropped there without explaining. Without explaining uh, oh, metamor. I'm sorry. Um, uh. Let me go back. Um, a metamor is a term for a partner's other partner. So, for example, if I was dating someone who was dating Katrina, then Katrina would be a metamor of mine even if we're not dating. That's gotcha. right. 
Yeah. So um, I guess one thing about polyamory is having good metamor relationships. And um, this particular metamor of mine, I definitely consider her a friend. So when this other person said, oh, yeah, I dated that person and rapist. I, you, you know, my fear. And this this person this... is describing someone that you were currently dating? No. Let's just say I heard through a, um, like a third person, not directly, so I couldn't follow up in questioning. I had somebody come up to me and say, I'm concerned about this other person that because the person that they're dating has been called a rapist by somebody they used to date. Gotcha. So what I said to this person who told me about it, is that's pretty heavy accusation you need to get more details like i am yeah that's concerning i definitely don't want to judge somebody without having any context for this but um how do you feel about going back and getting more details or me talking directly to the person who made that accusation so we can figure out if we need to go to to my good friend, my my metamor about this other person that she's dating. I think that was an extremely responsible stance to take. People, mm-hmm. I think, are inclined to overreact. Not so. That's the thing is, is is it's hard to say overreact, but they're inclined to react too intensely to charges like that, right? Well, like, like some, some people call their friend how, and be like, it depends on how mature your community is. Right, or I guess how much you trust the person that you got this word from, or whatever. Like, there's all kinds that of factors too. that can jump yeah. in. But, but that, that's similar. That's similar. Telephoning going on here, right. yeah. and, and there's sim- no way I'm going to act on a situation like that. Yeah. Right. No, I, I just wanted to kind of that that I, that I've seen. And I think uh, that is situations. possibly one of the things that makes rationalism more amenable to to these uh, to poly communities because you, I could see you know people who haven't been trained in this sort of thing to freak out and start spreading all sorts of rumors. And the fact that you require a higher standard of evidence and you often build priors on other people and how much they can be trusted and how much a certain amount, a certain given piece of evidence alters your opinion makes that a little bit safer. I think so. And, you know, I guess it's like if someone came up to me and said, hey, you know, you're, I heard on the grapevine that your friend murdered somebody. Right. Like, okay, can we back this up before I call the police? Uh-huh. Like, you know. Uh, I have a partner who warned me that he that I might see accusations about him murdering someone. Really? And just kind of explaining the situation. And um, just to warn you, this is something that you might see. Huh. Um, so don't freak out. It's a misunderstanding. <laughs> he just fell on my knife. <laughs> <laughs> no. Shit happens. Um, but... <laughs> Okay, so I think we got wildly off track. I do want to say that drama, drama definitely can crop up in insular communities like polyamorous communities. And uh, it's not, again, something that is specifically a poly thing, but when there are only so many people who are willing to date and experienced at dating multiple people successfully and healthily, then you end up dating some of the same people sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you know, you're going to get drama like that. I think in any community whatsoever, yeah. and it you're, you might bump into more of it just because you know more people, you know, second and third and fourth hand through a larger dating community or through a, through a larger, uh, you know. So my dating, my, I guess, what am I trying to say? Not dating community. Uh, you know, my partner and all of her friends are like people that I know through my relationship, right? Mm-hmm. But your partner, 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 and all of their friends and friends and friends are so like that. That net gets way bigger, right? So. 
there'll be I more mean, drama. It is a good way to make friends. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But, but the more friends you have, the more drama there might be. I guess what I was trying to get at, right? Uh, I guess. So I guess. Um, let me give you another example of unfortunate uh, polydrama. Okay. So. So you're making all the listeners be like, "God, I never want to be poly." I'm so still much fucking drama. Okay. All right. Go ahead. From my own experience. <laughs> polydrama. That's a fun word. It's like regular drama, but pointier. so i mentioned that one of my exes and i didn't part on great terms Mm -hmm. and her metamor was really really involved in that in that situation okay so and one of my current partners this is years later um one of my current partners was like i've been talking to this person and she is so cool and she does this and that and i'm like I, is this her name? Yeah. And I'm like, she is really cool, but does she know that you're dating me? Because she'll have a problem with that. She might have a problem um, because of, of this past thing that happened. And if this is something that you want to pursue, I would love to like go out to coffee with her, talk things through, and and try to you know, get to a better place, but I just want to warn you, we parted on poor terms to the point that, or I parted with my, my ex-girlfriend too. If she, if this person knows that you are dating me, she might not be willing to enter or even explore entering a relationship with you. So it ended up not working, like not going forward between them. They just, my partner decided it was too much trouble to even go forward with that when when he could you know pursue other things so so i don't think we actually managed to steal man anything no i you, you mentioned that people like like are just ah oh, polydrama it's so horrible it's it's all I, well, okay, i guess there is that <laughs> i would say that's probably the primary reason that i'm not in a poly relationship yeah because that sounds exhausting yeah and i mean well it, I, i've managed to avoid most of the drama but and on the other hand i'm also not in very many relationships and and your relationship and dynamic is different, right? You're not trying it to maintain, is, I guess. Like, so if one of your potential girlfriends had some drama that was going on, you'd be like, "Well, all right, you know, yeah. forget it." Yeah. But no, no, I wouldn't break it off with my girlfriend. But I'd be like, "That that's that's that sounds sucky for your drama." And, you know, I'd listen and commiserate, but I wouldn't get involved. You, it's. Uh, I think that when you have an insular community, people learn how important it is to avoid massive trauma because. Yeah. There's a fear that it'll come back to bite you in the ass. You can't just burn all your bridges and be like, fuck this, I'm out of here. Right. You know, you have fuck you and fuck you also. So I think that that's actually really a positive thing is that people have to have to learn, you're forced to learn to communicate. You're, you're forced to learn to do on the, um, on the conflict hand, resolution. I have seen much, much worse drama in my monogamous friends' relationships than oh. I ever have in a poly relationship. Well, I've also had... Well, I've been in mostly poly relationships, so actually I shouldn't ever, I shouldn't comment on that. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, I I mean, my monogamous marriage had immense amounts of drama, so, you know, I guess drama's just a thing that happens with relationships. It can be, it really depends on who you're in a relationship with. Yeah. Um, So, of my relationships, I'm in an eight plus year long relationship is one of them, and then I'm in two other relationships that have lasted about two years apiece at this point. And then I met also in a new one. Um, that's only been a couple months, but the relationships that I have that are the longest lasting, the eight years, two years, two years 
they are so easy and yeah. so low drama. And that's why they last so long. Yeah. And I am so comfortable with those people. And we are, I gotta, you know, brag, we're just great at resolving issues and talking through things, which we don't even have to do that often. As far as, as relationships having drama, you mentioned it's sort of like as a prerequisite, you said relationships have drama, to, to tag on yours and pat myself on the back for having a great relationship. I don't think we've had one piece of drama in our relationship. I've been with my partner for five years, four or five, and that's that stemmed from the relationship. We just happened to get along great on like everything. It's mm-hmm. it's it's like spooky. Don't try uh, to have a wedding. Right. Well, yeah, that I can actually, actually see that being being a dramatic thing. That was super but, easy for me. Oh, you're so lucky. Um, I. My and you would drama, think yours would be more complicated. My drama. Is, <laughs> <laughs> well, my drama is all with my parents. Um, uh-huh. and that's the other steel man position that I want to get to. Oh, okay. Is being polyamorous in the world. Okay, that seems like a good stopping point for now. This episode got a lot longer than we'd anticipated, so we're breaking it in half. Part two will be released in one week from today, and then we'll resume our normal schedule of two weeks between episodes. So join us again for Poly Part 2 in one week, and if you have a moment, consider leaving a review or rating at iTunes. Thanks!